0: A start on Demand. demand. Podcast is going to sound a little different today. Producer Kyle normally puts it together, but producer Kyle isn't feeling so well today. So it's producer Brett. And on today's podcast, Mayor Brian Bowman drops a big hint that property taxes might be going up more than expected. The head of the Firefighters Union in Winnipeg says firefighters are getting sent out on dangerous calls that are not fire related. Did you get your driver's license on your first attempt? MPI says more Manitobans than not are failing. Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra is calling on the province to step up and help fix the shell. We'll talk run-ins with wildlife after the RCMP had a run-in, a rather amusing run-in, with a fox. And I love to read in French. I visited a coal Howden in Windsor Park and I dusted off my French immersion skills, quote-unquote, to read to the kids en français. Once again, I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, February 27th podcast for The Start.
1: What does the
2: fox say?
0: All right. Yeah, it's an annoying song. And it's meant to be annoying. It's a ridiculous song.
3: What's more put- annoying, that song or that Baby Shark song? Oh. This one. It's a tie. No, baby this shark. One, this one. Yeah,
0: I think I, I'd probably go with the baby shark. But he, the reason why we're playing this, RCMP Manitoba yesterday. Yesterday we talked about how they have been having fun on social media. We like their tweets, and they send out pictures about traffic tickets. Well, yesterday they send out a picture of someone who's been pulled over for doing 140. And beside this person's SUV is a fox just sitting on the road. So the RCMP say in this tweet, and the fox said, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-ching! <laughs> <laughs> $573, please. Highway 6 south of Ponton. I don't even know. Do you know where that is?
2: Mm. Anybody? I think they say in the storage near Thompson.
0: Okay. Well, either way, this person was going really fast, but there was a fox right beside the car, which is kind of neat. So we wanted to have a chat about encounters with Wildlife McNabb. I've been waiting to hear this because you mentioned it early this morning. You spent time where Zimbabwe, was it? Mm -hmm. So you must have seen some stuff.
4: Oh, yeah. And a couple. So we were there when I was 10. So that in grade five. And at that time, we had gone on a trip to like a safari area. We were there for my dad's work, but uh, we went to this place where you could go on a safari and we went out to see some waterfalls one day and came back and a full like family of monkeys was in the kitchen swinging from the cupboards and had eaten (laughs) all of our cookies. Wow. And it sounds like a story out of, like, a cartoon, but we walked in, and there's just, like, this monkey, like, it was, you know, doing the old monkey hand in the armpit <laughs> thing looking at us. And my little brother's like, all the cookies are gone. So that was
3: the big concern. That was the big concern. The monkeys didn't bug us.
4: The monkeys didn't bug us. But if you ever find yourself in places like that, you'll encounter different kinds of wildlife. So the same way you'll see a cow on the road here sometimes. Yeah. We also had a situation where when I was older, I went back there in my 20s, and— um We were coming down a road, and a water buffalo was just standing in the middle of the road and just took a run at our car. Oh, my God. But we're driving on the opposite side of the road, and the standard, like, the stick shift is on the left side, and I'm screaming at my (laughs) sister, like, back up! Back up! (laughs) And she's just, like, gears are grinding, and this wild buffalo just comes running. And we had to go, but we probably were going backwards at 100 kilometers an hour, just as fast as we could. And then it just sort of veered off into the bush after and, (sighs) and left, but... That was been terrifying. It, that one was terrifying. The what monkeys kind of are car? Hilarious. I'm imagining you like it in an a, Austin Mini or something. No, it was like a
3: Peugeot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and
4: we called it Povera Peugeot because it kept breaking down. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. That's okay. mine. Tristan has Brilliant. one pretty, equally as cool. terrifying.
2: I, I don't have one that's equally as <laughs> terrifying. Uh, when I was in elementary school, we came across a pigeon. Wow. <laughs> a so pigeon. I, there's, a, there's a little bit more more to this story that makes it incredibly oh, not interesting. So the pigeon was on the...
3: It gets less interesting. ...was on, was on the ground,
2: okay, and, and it wasn't scared by anybody, so we brought it in and put it in a box, and uh, it stayed in the school for a good chunk of the day, and then we brought it outside again, and a kid threw it up in the air, and then it left.
4: <laughs> I like this. I repeat... <laughs> I, I really wanted this I mean, that, story to that, end with that pigeon flying in your face. I and like no, I don't know. It wasn't even that interesting. Like a-
2: now, I will say that that's probably my most positive memory from elementary school, if I'm brutally honest. But, uh. now that story, that's sad.
3: That story is reminding <laughs> me of the Happy Days episode with the Malachi brothers when they do the Crash Up Derby, and the one Malachi brother says, let the pigeons lose! <laughs> You have to be a certain age to remember that episode of Happy Days with the Mawachi uh, Brothers. I was, I was hoping Tristan's
5: pigeon story ended with maybe the pigeon flying over head and dropping a souvenir on yeah. his left No, shoulder. it didn't. Oh. That
2: was the weird thing, though, because we, 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 we all saw, we're, like, this bird isn't running away because you always run up to them. And, and it just stayed there. We're like, well, there's something wrong with the pigeon. Find a box, put it in the box, and we'll bring it inside.
3: We actually, it's not it, it, more interesting the second time. No, This I know. is a
5: true story. We actually had a pet raven. His name was Barney. Come on. I uh, we went to a one room, a one-room school uh in the middle of nowhere in BC. And so one day we're having a ball game. Barney is playing third base. And a girl named Lenny smacks one. No. A screamer down the third base no. line. Barney got a glove on it, but he went down. Oh, so here's man. I don't know there was like eight or nine of us were walking up this road to our house. <laughs> My mom sees all these kids, and we've got poor, comatose Barney in our hands. Take it, and I, I think he made a recovery. He, uh, he, he was better after that. But then all of a sudden, about three or four days later, we never saw Barney again. Did he go to the farm? While wow, there was a cat by the name of Empu who lived next door that was licking his chops. So. I bet he was. But that was a true story. Barney got smoked down the third I, I'm base. sorry, what oh, would you prefer, a boring Barney.
2: story or one where an animal dies? Well, he, does that, not sure. he did not die. He recovered but went missing later. I like my story better, frankly.
0: You ever heard of the African Lion Safari in Cambridge, Ontario? Been there. It's great. Yeah, so I was there, I think, when I was uh, 14 or 15, and they've got all sorts of animals in there, lions, tigers, bears, oh my. And <laughs> I was waiting for that. There, were, there, there was a car, because you could just drive in through the park, and there were I think there was a rhino in there and hippos, but these bears, I guess the, the people in front of us had their windows down, because they told us, like, if the bears are coming close, keep your windows up. Right. They had their windows down, and the bears proceeded to bash through the window, because they wanted their food, and these people... People just hightailed it out of there. We would only open our windows when the monkeys would climb on the roof of our car. And uh, so we would crack the window open and we'd hold out a piece of food. And then you'd see this little tiny hand reach out (laughs) and grab it. That's kind of cute. It was cute. They told us not to do that, but how could you? How I? Uh, so
3: mm, mm, well, when, when we went
2: there as a family, I, this was years ago, and uh, we basically we were debating whether we should take a car, take the bus, and after we saw what the monkeys do on top of the cars, we're like, it's a good thing we we rented, we spent a little extra money on the tour bus. Also, Greg, is it this? Oh, hang on, I got it. Helps if I turn on the audio.
6: Let the pigeons loose.
0: That's the one. <laughs> is that the one? You got it, man. Paul Maurice is on Global News Morning oh. right now,
3: Greg. How my, do you feel? I'm in my 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 stomach is in knots this morning. The Winnipeg Jets. I, I can't even use the language I'd like to use right now in terms of what they did to a two-one lead in the last minute and a half in their game against Minnesota last night. They didn't even get to overtime. You figured, oh, a minute and a half. Minnesota goes on the power play. Even if they tied up, Jets get a point, go to overtime. No, Minnesota scores two goals, twenty six seconds, steals two points from the Jets, and I got to tell you. I try to be optimistic all the time. Mm -hmm. I feel the season starting to slip away for the Jets. Something doesn't feel right. Okay. So uh, anyway, when Kelly Moore referenced the fact that I'd kicked a garbage can this morning, I did not but I'll go on the record as saying that I would like to kick a garbage can this morning.
0: Okay. And we are also in our previous segment, we were talking about run-ins with wildlife after the RCMP sent out a picture on social media of somebody that they had pulled over for speeding, but sitting right beside
3: that car is a fox just quietly sitting there observing. It's not photoshopped. Yeah, just sitting just sitting there. like And on its hind legs, too. It's really kind of a cute picture.
0: Yeah. So we got some text messages from our listeners about their encounters with wildlife.
3: Well, Lorraine McNabb told us about her interaction with the water buffalo in Africa. Yep. Well, one of our listeners says, traveling Highway 60 about 20 years ago, passengers in my Jeep sound asleep. I had to slam on the brakes as there was a moose standing in my lane. Brake slammed, moose looked at me, then walked away. The moose's underbelly was parallel with the hood of my Jeep. Oh, my. If I would have hit it, we would have been goners as it would have come straight through the windshield. Years before that same highway saw a glorious herd of elk. Oh, wow. (laughs) That must have been quite the sight. So the the good, the bad, and and almost the ugly there in that story. Thank you for that at 780-6868. Also,
0: we are talking this morning about Manitoba Public Insurance, about the backlog and the fact that many Manitobans, more Manitobans are failing at getting their regular license, the Class 5 license that that anybody who drives a car has. There is a suspicion that... The truck drivers were failing more, but that's not the case. And one of our listeners
3: texted along those lines. Well, he's a truck driver now and admitted, I'm not going to out who it is. One of our favorite listeners took him four times to get his class five, took his wife one chance and she got a... Perfect score, and apparently it's still a, a point of consternation and friction <laughs> in their in their marriage to this day. You admitted to getting what one hundred and fifty five demerit points was in their 135. first. One hundred and thirty five. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, you know, it was only uh, only oh. one hundred and thirty five. <laughs> Come on, Greg. Yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't mean to to make it worse than it was. But I had a similar uh, experience the first time around as well because I'm guessing you went to uh, the old um, what is now the Rady Campus. Yeah, I went to the one on Nairn. Oh, you went to the one on Nairn. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I was over off of Academy Road. Okay, over there and uh, Tuxedo Boulevard, and there's a school there. They take you through the school zone, and there was no parked cars whatsoever in the right curb lane, but I proceeded to proceed all the way down, you know, on the left side, sort of on the what we perceive as the through lane, as opposed to keeping to the right, mm. and I could just see the tick marks going tick. <laughs> tick. And I felt like saying, What are you writing down? What are you writing down? What are you writing down now? <laughs> and I, I failed and, and eventually got a dangerous action because I got stuck in the intersection at Tuxedo Boulevard at Route 90 at eight twenty in the morning. Oh god. Turning left, you know, when the, the light goes amber. Yeah. And then it goes red. When you're in the middle of the intersection. You go. I just sat there. Oh I no. froze. <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) So I think we've all been down that road, or lots of us apparently have been down that road at least. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And we want to update you on this story that we first brought to you about two weeks ago about this serious backlog at MPI.
1: We are experiencing a higher than normal volume of calls. And as a result... You may experience some delay. We thank you for your patience at this time.
0: That recording heard by thousands of Manitobans two weeks ago, with Manitoba Public Insurance saying it was the result of a perfect storm. Here's
7: Brian Smiley. We do know that there is uh, people booking their Class One driver licenses. Absolutely, uh, to describe it as a rush, wouldn't use the word rush, but we certainly are seeing uh, that our fair share. But we're also seeing our fair share of collision claims. Well, I would say a good portion of them are calling in. Uh, again, we're handling driver license questions. So, again, it's almost a, sort of a perfect storm uh, why the phones are busy. Well, here we
3: are two weeks later. Many Manitobans still struggling to get through to a, quote, real person at MPI, with many of you telling us you're still waiting for your appointment. So the perfect storm lingers, McGarry. MPI.
0: MPI says they've now got a team reviewing the issue and, to help, they've moved more staff onto the phone lines. Again, the backlog is not just because of collisions, but appointments for tests, with truckers telling us they have to call daily just to try and squeeze in appointments. And that part of the problem might be drivers repeatedly taking the test. We're going to talk to MPI after 8, but here's what we know. Last year,
3: close to 4,500 people 4500 tried to get their class one, that's the license for truck drivers. Of those, 51% failed, meaning they had to take the test again. In fact, numbers show over three years, the average attempt for a class one driver's license is 1.75%. But it's even worse for the rest of us. Last year, 58,000 Manitobans went for their class, uh, class five, 62% of them failed. Wow. Not yeah. good. Not good. I was relating my my driver test experience and Tim reminded me it was on Doncaster is where the testing uh, outlet was in, in this part of the city. Yep. And it was Carpathia School. I was trying to remember where I was on the wrong side of the road for like three blocks. Yeah, And uh, <laughs> Tim says, uh, I remember my road test to this day. I took it on my 16th birthday, got my beginners at 15 and a half through driver's ed. During my driver's test, the instructor had his, had his uh, sideboard on his clipboard up, and all I heard was his pencil scratching away. I became more and more nervous. I remember sitting at the red light at Tuxedo Boulevard and Keniston, and that's where I, I froze, and hearing his pencil <laughs> scratching away, I was wondering what I was doing wrong did my parallel parking and went inside. I scored zero mistakes on my test he was drawing a birthday cake, and congratulations! I still hear a pencil scratching every time I stop at Keniston and Tuxedo Boulevard. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate you sharing that story. That's an awesome one.
0: That's a great story, and in, that's a long light to sit at too. So
3: <laughs> sure can be. I, I can imagine why he
0: still hear, hears that pencil scratching because that must have just been nerve wracking to sit there and wait for the light to turn green. McNabb, what's happening with the firefighters?
4: Well, they got some pretty heavy allegations being leveled at the city this morning from the union representing Winnipeg's firefighters, Alex Forrest telling CJOB that he believes there's a new protocol in place that's seeing firefighters and paramedics end up at calls that are not fire-related, not medical emergency-related. So we've asked the city and police to respond to these allegations and we'll inform you when we hear back from them. But in the meantime, here's what Alex Forrest, UFFW president, is saying. The most dangerous
6: of the calls occurred... Uh, on February 16th, where we had an individual that was kicked out of a bar because of violent behavior. The incident uh, basically said that uh, there was no medical emergency, so they sent the firefighters because uh, it appeared that there was no police available. Firefighters get there. It takes two hours for the cadets to get there, uh, and they're outside this bar in the downtown core. The cadets get there, a struggle ensues between the cadets and this individual that was kicked out of a bar. This individual is starting to, uh, uh, the cadets uh, were going to be overcome by this individual. Luckily, the two firefighters are very big, strong firefighters. They jumped in to help subdue this individual. And while the struggle occurred, the individual reached into his pocket and grabbed a gun. The firefighters then managed to uh, uh, grab the man's hand grabbed the gun, kicked the gun away and uh, uh at that point uh the uh, uh, emergency dispatch was done still we had no police coming immediately when uh we found out later through investigation that what occurred was there was literally no police available.
4: So you're alleging, was, Alex, you're alleging at this point, and I want to be clear, we've gone to the police right. and we've gone to the city for their response and we're awaiting that. But in the meantime, you're alleging right. that firefighters and EMS crews were dispatched to this call that was non...
6: No, it wasn't EMS crews. It was only a, a fire dispatch.
4: And it was how do you know it was non-medical? Because firefighters do go to intoxicated persons' calls all the, the time. Incident,
6: the incident on the report... Said man kicked out of bar multiple times. No medical condition.
4: So it should there should have been
6: specifically on the incident report saying this isn't a medical call. Uh, uh, check well-being.
4: It, it said there wasn't a medical call. It did not say yes. check well-being.
6: It did not say check well-being, but that's why they were sent is basically just to hold the fort until the police could get there. We go on many of these calls throughout the year, and uh, this is a brand new protocol. Uh, we have been going to everything from uh, domestic disputes to possible burglary to these are not fire emergency medical calls in any way whatsoever. And you're saying the calls
4: have come in, is that? That they're actually coming into 911 as a domestic dispute, but the dispatch goes to a firefighter?
6: Yes. Uh, We've had uh For instance, we had a, a recent incident that was in the media uh, at an airport hotel where there was no police available. They sent a fire crew, and the fire crew actually had to mitigate the uh, uh, argument that was going on within the the hotel that's not our job
4: so again our I- job
6: is not to assist the cadets in struggles. Our job is not to go to calls that we know are not medical or fire calls.
4: So, again, I want to just assert to our listeners right. that we're, we're, we're looking for a response from the city and the police yeah. on this because these are pretty heavy allegations. Out, and we're talking yeah. to Alex Forrest, president of UFFW. I want to also just point out, Alex, people are going to question the timing of you talking about this. We have a city budget coming out on Friday, and we always know that there's a push for more resources for everything from police to firefighters. And so no. people are going to question your timing on talking about this now.
6: Yeah, like it's unfortunate timing, but this is uh, this is an incident that just occurred. We have to get it forward, and we just felt that we just couldn't wait anymore. We gave them um, since November to come forward on these issues, but this gun incident was the most serious of the incident, where we had clear evidence that it was not a medical emergency because it was on uh, uh, dispatch. That was what the dispatch instructions were to the firefighters. And they had to enter into a struggle. And these firefighters were alone with this individual for two hours, and they never knew he had a
3: gun on him. I think I'm pretty good at listening. I think what Alex Forrest is trying to say here is that the— fire department right now is being used as an extension of the police service. Is this what he's saying?
4: That's his allegation for sure. And so again we've got calls into the city to WFPS to the police as well just to see if we can get more information on this specific February 16th incident that he's talking about. Uh, I I want to do say that paramedics and firefighters could end up in all sorts of calls where a gun might be present and they don't know that. And so it's upsetting for anyone to be in that situation but you could get called to a home to deal with a medical issue and that person could have a gun. That happens. But
3: there's a difference between that and being sent on something that would be normally dispatched to police. He's correct? alleging
4: something different here. He's saying that in this case, it wasn't a medical call, it wasn't a fire call. That they they feel as they're being put there to hold the fort until police can get there. So it's a pretty big, pretty big allegations. We've got lots more questions, and and we want to be very careful with this. Um, but he also pointed out that yeah, there is a budget out Friday, but the budget's already decided. It's probably at the printers. And so you can question the timing if you want, but we're going to have to question a lot more following this interview.
0: Brian Bowman, joining us live in
8: studio. Mr. Mayor, good morning to good you, Good morning. Sir. Good song. You do like your rock. I do. Absolutely. Well, yeah. it's a pretty
4: busy week for you, so we. Yeah. as much as I like to talk about music, we'll just get right to it. Yeah, and absolutely. before we get to the city budget that's out Friday, we want to ask you about an interview we just played in the last segment with Alex Force, president of the United Firefighters uh, Workers Union, and talking about the idea that he believes there's a new protocol in place that is seen firefighters being sent to calls that are not fire-related, not medically-related, and he's very concerned that they're sort of being used as a holding pattern because there might not be enough police resources in the city. How do you respond to that?
8: Sure. I mean, I mean, look, he's, he's raising a serious matter. Um, the the work of the Winnipeg Fire and Paramedic Service and the Winnipeg Police Service is invaluable to the citizens that uh, that we all serve, and they do they do put themselves in harm's way. And so we we want to first and foremost make sure that uh, their safety is is taken care of. And so I think it's appropriate that he's uh, he's requested dialogue with the uh, Chief of Police as well as the Winnipeg Fire and Paramedic Chief, and I'm sure dialogue will will assist the matter. But um, obviously, uh, at city hall, we want to make sure the resources are there and we've, uh, increased the resources, uh, each year that I've been mayor to the Winnipeg police service.
4: Have you heard anything like this happening though, or is this concern been presented to you before?
8: No, the, am uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Forrest, uh, just put out the press release this morning and that's the first I've heard of it. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what dialogue if any, he's had with, uh, with the management of the Winnipeg police service, but, um, uh, you know. I think it's good he's reached out and hopefully they can meet and, and go over. I mean they're pretty uh, they're pretty significant allegations that he's making.
3: Any more progress? If we're talking about relationships on the relationship with the province and and with the budget coming out on Friday, Lorenz mentioned it's I'm, we're sure it's at the printers and yeah, under lock and is. key. So yeah. uh, have you received any more clarity in terms of funding from the province since we last visited with you?
8: Well, I think the, the we delayed the uh, tabling of the budget by a month to get additional information, and we have received additional information. There's uh, a lot more questions that we we have uh, regarding some of the information that's been provided uh, uh, very recently. Uh, the one thing that is clear is, uh, given it's 2019 now, uh, the province is uh, certainly wanting to direct uh, how their monies are spent uh, for 2018. And so that's that's a challenge, uh, as you know. It is two thousand and nineteen. Two thousand and eighteen has come and gone. The city budget was passed in December of two thousand seventeen. Money was expended on significantly uh, on roads and and other matters, and uh, that year is closed out. And so to be discussing how provincial dollars should be allocated and spent uh, in in. In which it doesn't uh, gel with the, um, the, the budget that was uh, implemented last year. To have that discussion in 2019 is just, uh, it's really uh, not a, a best practice and that's not how governments should be working together.
4: You're talking about discrepancies between what they say they gave you and how you should have spent it or what was supposed to be spent on versus what it was spent on.
8: Well, in some cases, it's money that hasn't flowed. And so it's uh, now saying where they would like that money spent last year.
4: Let's talk about the budget Friday. I know we we don't want we, we don't often release details too soon, but property yeah. taxes is always the first question Winnipeggers mm-hmm. ask. Ask, are you holding the line at a two point?
8: Well, the, what I will say is, uh, I mean, obviously um, uh, we'll be providing the details of the budget on Friday. What I what I can say is the budget will be balanced, and um, uh, we're looking forward to uh, to tabling it and having a discussion and debate on it in, in due course. Uh, this was a particularly difficult budget given. Uh, uncertainties of provincial funding, as well as the, the fact that uh, uh, there are dollars that are still uh, owing from the province. Right. And so it is putting a, a squeeze on uh, our capital budget in particular. The operating budget, I have to say, they, they've frozen the the, the operating budget. Uh, that Those dollars uh, are appreciated and they do contribute significantly to the operations of the City of Winnipeg. That's
3: the provincial money.
8: That's the provincial money, and uh, so operational funding has been frozen. Um, I, I, I note that there's a request by the Premier to the, to the federal government for, for increased money for things like health, but we've actually just said frozen dollars, it does put an inflationary pressure on operations, but uh, we'll be accountable for managing those dollars, and we're not requesting additional money for operations. It's the capital budget that has been the topic of a significant discussion now for a, a couple of years and um, most of that has related to the year now that has come and gone.
4: But are you holding the line to the promise to Winnipeggers to 2.33 percent for property tax hikes?
8: What I'll say is, um, you'll, you'll need to wait until Friday. Um, what I campaigned on was uh, limiting tax increases to 2.33 uh, percent, unless there was incremental cuts from the provincial government. And so, so
4: they will go up. You, they'll you will, be higher than that.
8: There were very difficult uh, decisions that had to be made on how we reconcile with. Uh, significant uh, capital dollars that uh, were budgeted and were spent last year, uh, notably on roads and, and monies that have not uh, yet flowed.
4: But you're making a case, I would argue, in the past few weeks that because of, of these, what you call funding issues with the province, Winnipeggers are going to have their own funding issues, which means more higher taxes than than promised.
8: Well, the, there, there's definitely um, difficult decisions that had to be made as a result of decisions uh, at uh, on Broadway. And so... Uh, there are various options that uh, that have had to be considered um, to uh, to make up the, the 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 gap in the 2018 budget. A variety of things had to be considered, which will be answered on Friday. Uh, one of which is increased debt. One of which is less capital being spent, which uh, compromises our ability to build Winnipeg for the future. And the other would be would be tax increases. And so that decision will be uh, will be uh, tabled on Friday and debated, and then Council will have it say. We have
0: about two minutes left here. Kid Mayor,
8: is yes. back. It's back. You know what? We uh, we announced this last year. It was uh, it was highly successful. We had uh, a number of just incredible young Winnipeggers. I have no doubt some of which uh, will be mayor. Um, and so, if you're between the the ages of eight and twelve, um, information is available at uh, at uh, my website. And just go to uh, t- to the website and get information. Those applications are open. And also today I announced. Uh, the application process is open for the Mayor's Scholarship for Community Leadership. This is for high school students going into post-secondary. they uh, their modest financial contributions to really highlight uh, our young leaders that we have in our community. I visited every high school over the last term. It was just an incredible experience. We, Our future is very bright because of the, the young leaders we have in our midst right now. And this is a very small way to highlight the incredible depth of leadership that we have. And so there's a kid mayor out there, and I'm looking forward to meeting... Uh, meeting that kid mayor and all of the other applicants uh, throughout this process.
3: We have, we like to end things on a little bit of a fun note with you. We've been talking about our experiences in getting our driver's license. How many times
8: did it take for you?
3: How many tested road tests did you have to take? Uh, official road tests. Yes, uh, official road, <laughs> road tests. Sorry, yes. what, what? Well, uh, uh, I was bugging Lorraine earlier that I I'm pretty sure she got it.
8: I'm sure You got it. I'm sure she got I got it the first time. Okay. I, I, I got lucky and, uh, and, I, and I still have it.
4: <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'm That's proud good. to say. He did drive himself here. So yeah, I, I did drive good. myself I hope
8: he has here. I like driving. Can we see it? Yeah. Yeah, if I get in the back seat of my car, the car doesn't move. So, you know, I dropped myself.
0: Yeah.
4: Why are we going anywhere? <laughs>
8: exactly.
0: Yesterday, I got to join some kids at École Howden in Windsor Park for I Love to Read Month. And it was an adventure for me because it's a French immersion school. I graduated from French immersion at Collège Elliott Trudeau in 1995. And I did have a job for a time that required some French, but I haven't really spoken or read anything in French since I was like 25 years old. I'm 41 now, so it's been a while.
4: Like, you, did you do it in university then? No. Like, or you just kind of spoke, like, occasionally when you were in your 20s, too?
0: Well, yeah, because like I never spoke it. Like, I, I got this job that required bilingual oh, well, skills, I so yeah. I kind of had to reactivate my French six years after I graduated from high school. So going into this school yesterday, I thought, I should try to read these kids in French. So we visited Madame Lofto's class. It was a grade two and three combo. And then Madame Stephanie... Grades 5 and 6, and I read uh, a Robert Munch book. Which one did you read? It's Le Buffon de la classe, uh, Class Clown. The Class Clown, yeah. Or okay. perhaps the Class Buffoon. Mm. I, would, I don't know what, what it's actually called in English. And I, I kind of struggled through it, but uh, the, kid, the grade 2 and 3, they gave me a gold star. Oh, excellent. <laughs> and then the grades 5 and 6, they, they, I don't want to say they were harder on me, but they were quicker to correct me. When I, the odd time I made a mistake. When there was one uh, young lad sitting right in the front and I was saying clown, I forgot that you say clown in French. Mm -hmm. And it was McNabb, I think yesterday you said that they'll ask you how much money you make. And sure enough, of
4: course. Sorry, what age again?
0: uh, So it was grades two and three. Right, so they're. And then five and six. And the five and six. Seven and eight, yeah. The grades five and six were asking how much I make. So
4: and then you have to answer not interesting enough for me to answer that. Yeah, yeah
0: pretty much, but it was uh, it was it was fun. I was happy to to get the passing grade from the kids and it was a team effort because Kirby from Power Mornings with Philly Joe and Kirby was there as well. Our rowdy brothers down the hall.
3: They're very quick to correct you at that age yeah. when you slip up. And I'll be in the car with my boys and I'll have the radio on and and they'll be the they'll be correcting you know our colleagues or whatever, and it's like, what do you guys say when you're listening to me for God's sake? <laughs> Probably
0: don't want to know that.
3: Probably not.
0: But so yeah, thanks to Cole Howden for having us out for I Love to Read Month. It was my first time re- visiting a classroom and getting to do that, so it was an enriching experience for me. Mackling, what's coming up in sports?
3: Do I have to read this? I guess I do. The Jets suffer a mini meltdown in the finale of a frustrating February that has created a three-way race atop the Central Division of the National Hockey League. It's crunch time in Columbus, and the Desert Dogs have Dallas on the run. Kelly Moore has sports coming up at 7.25. Brett has weather on Anglais. In a moment. Uh, before you go, though, I, I also have to say to the kids
0: in the grade five and six class yeah. they wanted me to proclaim that school is canceled for the rest <laughs> of the week. <laughs> Can't do that. The teacher, the teacher said, "Brett is the Brett station is where you hear about cancellations right. and buses." Genius so, of them. So they're like, "Can you say that schools closed for the rest of the week?" I'm like, "I can't do that. I'd like to, but I can't. Oh, that's we'll just say so hi clever. instead. So I'll just say hello to the kids at a. Cole Howden."
1: We are experiencing a higher than normal volume of calls, and as a result you may experience some delay. We thank you for your patience at this time.
0: That recording was heard by thousands of Manitobans two weeks ago. Manitoba Public Insurance calling it the result of a perfect storm. Brian Smiley from Manitoba Public Insurance joins us live in studio. Brian, good morning to you, sir. Good
7: morning.
4: So we've had listeners tell us that they're still having some issues getting through MPI. The backlog continues.
7: It still does continue, depending on what time you're calling and what day you're calling. I actually spoke to our contact centre manager yesterday and some callers were getting through uh, very quickly and others weren't, so it's just... It's just depending on the call volumes, but to give you some perspective on what we're what we're dealing with here, uh, we had at one point uh, nearly 60,000 calls placed to the contact center uh, over a period of time. Uh, the week of February 18th, February 18th, 2019, 60,000 calls placed to the contact center. 20,000 were answered. The same time period a year pre- previous, nearly 12,000 calls placed. 10,000 answers. So you can see that. That's five
4: uh, times the number of yeah, calls. In, exactly. In, in That's last what week. we're dealing with here. So we, you talked about collisions, but we've also been talking about the testing issue. Uh, truckers looking to get their their class one, uh, and then that might be contributing to the problem. Are you adding more people? Are you adding more staff?
7: Well, we have absolutely added more staff. We redeployed some staff. We've moved some supervisors over under the phone lines. We've asked staff to work extra hours. And in fact, right now we're hiring staff for our contact center. So anybody out there in the CGOB land listening that wanting a job, we're hiring people for our contact center. Good little job pitch there, eh?
3: Yeah, not bad at all. So we already know there's about 10,000 unfilled uh, jobs in Manitoba. So this will add to that uh, list. But a part of that is getting truckers on the road because that is one of the industries that has a shortage of workers, drivers at the top of this list. And one of our listeners suggested that part of this is the fact that these Class 1 uh, tests, they book up very quickly, and a big part of what's going on are these individuals trying to find a cancellation to rebook a test. Any any truth to that suggestion?
7: We've heard that, absolutely. We also know that many of the calls that are coming to our contact centre have area codes of 604 and the new uh, Manitoba area code of 431. So these are uh, people that are either still in BC planning to move to Manitoba or they've just recently moved to Manitoba. But uh, th- these are some of the issues we're dealing with. But again, before anybody can take a driver's test, they have to establish that right. they're Manitoba residency. So we're also going through that too.
3: So that so that is part and parcel to the situation. We've got a, a, a large number of people coming to Manitoba to become involved in the trucking industry. They obviously need a license first. They need to establish residency. Residency before they can do anything else. Do they need a class? Do you need a class five before you can get a class one? How does that work, Brian?
7: Yes, you need a class five before you can attempt your class one. Yes,
4: class five. We got some numbers in this morning too from you about just how often people are passing or failing just their regular driver's test. And I think the three-year average was about a 61% fail rate for the for Manitobans, on average, going to get their license. Should we be concerned about that? Is that up compared to previous years? That seems like a pretty high fail rate.
7: Well, I think we should be a little bit uh, uh, satisfied that the system is working. We don't want drivers on the roads that aren't prepared to get on the roads and, and drive with you and me and and your crew here, uh, so it's the test is uh, is basically a real life test, and so people are failing. But keep in mind, too, Loran, that many of these class fivers they are uh, novice drivers, they are youngsters, they're coming out of driver ed. Some of them haven't gone through driver ed. Uh, we know that our driver ed the students have a little bit of a higher pass rate ratio than what you're seeing right here. They're at about a fifty-one percent. The driver ed students. So uh, there's some real merit to taking the driver ed program.
0: Yeah, the fact that it takes 2.16 attempts on the regular Class 5 license. So, I mean, in terms of the driver's ed, like there, a lot of things have changed over the years. and Like, you can't just take the written test, take the test, and away you go, you're free and clear. Like, isn't there There's a probation period, right?
7: Yeah, there's a five-year graduated driver licensing program, so there's a five-year program, and there's a number of restrictions on that particular driver. And I'll give you an example. It's zero tolerance for alcohol over those five years. So that's a restriction that's come into place, and that the graduated driver licensing program has been in place for about, over a decade, and it was brought in to reduce the collision involvement among younger drivers. Really close, really specific. Again, a young driver can't have; they can have one passenger, any more than one passenger between the hours of midnight to four a.m. or five a.m. They have to have a supervising driver. It's all meant for safety. Is it working? Uh, well, we're seeing uh, a little lower crash involvement among our younger drivers, for sure. Absolutely, under ten percent. When you say little, it,
3: uh, you know what? I don't have difference. those numbers.
7: I don't have those numbers handy right now. But we have seen uh, some decreases involving uh, younger drivers. Yes, but we also know that 16 to 19 year olds are overrepresented when it comes to collision involvement. But again, not all of them have gone through the driver ed program.
0: Brian Smiley from Manitoba Public Insurance joining us live on 680 CJOB. Brian, thank you for the visit.
7: And for the record, I got my driver's license in one attempt. Thank you very much. We were going to
3: ask, but I knew the answer was
7: what you just gave us. I just took it two weeks ago.
3: Something I learned over
0: the weekend while at the Centennial Concert Hall, which we have long touted on this show, on this radio station, as a world-class facility with amazing acoustics, I've always thought... It sounds good. Sure, why, why would you believe otherwise, right? It turns out that's not necessarily the case, which means if you're there next weekend, as I will be, to enjoy Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban with a musical score performed by the WSO, It'll sound good,
3: but it could sound better. Uh Aha, good, better, best. Never let it rest till the good get better and the better best. It's not best is what you're saying.
0: Apparently not. That's because there is an acoustical shell that is supposed to, supposed to surround the orchestra, but it's out of commission and the WSO has been calling on the province for help. But so far, no dice. Let's bring in the executive director of the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, Trudy Schroeder, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Trudy, good morning to you. Good morning. So how does the shell work?
1: Well, it, at the time, when the, when the Concert Hall was built, it was quite the state-of-the-art uh, enterprise. It, it was, because the hall is a multi-purpose hall, so it's it's made to sort of suit the ballet and the opera and the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. But what, the, what a symphony orchestra needs is an acoustic um, environment in which there's much more um, reverb for them when they're, so, so. Up in the, in the rafters is this thing called an acoustic shell. And when, um, when it's needed for the symphony, which is actually a lot, because we play there a lot, um, the workers in the hall press a button, and this, it's like, a, you know, the, the back wall and the roof of a, of, a, of a room come down from the rafters and then they pull in the sides. And you've got actually something that resembles actually a seashell that surrounds the orchestra and sort of makes the, the space smaller so that the orchestra can actually, uh, because it's an acoustical instrument, can, can be, the sound can be pushed out into the hall and also so that the musicians can hear themselves better. So, so it's like, to all intents and purposes, it makes the room smaller.
3: The Trudy, orchestral music is is meant to be played unamplified, correct?
1: Exactly. Now, you know what, for a lot of the pop shows where, so for example, with Harry Potter, this will not be a problem at all, because we're all using mics, and the show is using a mic system, and, and, and most of our pop shows work that way, however... When we're doing our symphonic shows where you're depending on a lot of very small nuances and people hearing each other well, that can be a real problem.
4: So how does this compare to other concert halls in North America? I mean, would you, how, where would you rate ours, given the sound you say that's coming in there?
1: You know what? I would say we're probably the only concert hall in the entire, uh, like in, in all of North America that doesn't have a functioning shell.
0: So what has to be done to fix it?
1: Well oh, are they've done a whole bunch of engineering studies. They've had sort of engineers and specialists come in from New York and New Jersey and different kinds of places to take a look at it. They know what they need to do. They've got a they've got a plan. They have to just actually realize that, that, that people in Winnipeg care about that. So I know, you know, when you when you're kind of making decisions, well, you know, are we gonna fix a road or are we gonna are we going to fix the orchestra shell? Um Maybe they think nobody cares. And so what I asked our audience members last week to do is actually let their MLAs know or let the Premier know or let the Minister of Culture know that Winnipeggers actually, yes, I mean, we need a balanced community. So, so the bigger problem is that our, our Centennial Concert Hall hasn't been adequately invested in when it comes to refurbishment, right? So again, in Canada, there were a whole bunch of these Centennial Concert Halls built across the country. Most of them have had major repairs done well before the fifty-year mark, right? And and because buildings have a certain point where many things start to fail, and 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 that for us the shell is of critical importance to the to the health and welfare of the musicians but the whole facility really needs an investment but right now we're saying to the province please just fix that shell.
4: So the provincial budget's out next week March 7th do you have any hint that those dollars might be coming?
1: Well we're sure hoping. How much will it cost? Apparently the the the, uh, the, the costs vary that they they have a number of solutions and a number of ideas that vary between 800000 and a high of $2.6 million. Um, And they, they, depending on which parts of this, they, they complete. So we just want that shell working again.
3: I was surprised to learn that uh, the Centennial Concert Hall is actually owned by the province. I don't know who I thought owned it, but I was surprised when I heard that it was, in fact, the province that owns that complex.
1: I know. It is kind of a surprising thing, isn't it? It's uh, the whole complex. That means the Manitoba Museum, the planetarium, the, the concert hall, actually MTC, you know, the Royal MTC building is also part of that, as is art space and uh, the sound stage that's, uh, the, for making movies. So it's a, it's a whole complex of art buildings that are all owned by, by the province.
0: Trudy Schroeder is executive director of the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. Trudy, thank you for the time and telling us what's going on at the Centennial Concert Hall.
1: Yeah, well, keep your fingers crossed for us that we'll have this problem solved next week with the budget. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to some champagne then. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: (laughs) Okay, Trudy, thank you very much for joining us today on The Start.
4: Champagne on budget day. There's an idea I hadn't considered. I wonder if I can bring that into lockup.
3: I think that's a great idea. Yeah,
4: when we go in and read the books and, and figure out what's going on, do you think I can walk I in? I haven't with, read
3: the rules, but I'm going to guess the, the answer no? to that is a no. Not allowed to bring I won't give you a hard no. I'm I'll not give allowed you to bring
4: in my phone. so most I was, likely no. I think I'm probably not allowed to bring in champagne. <laughs> I can't but. bring my phone, might I bring some champagne? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I British all of a sudden?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Champagne's <laughs> French. <laughs> it just feels hoity-toity when you speak that way.